Well, hello there. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host, Dave from Chase the Summit, and this is the Chase the Summit Trail Talk podcast, where it's kind of like you're out on a run with me and uh, we're just chatting. We're just doing our thing. I'm kind of giving you the lowdown of the week, what's going on with me, what's going on in the world of fitness technology, ultra running, trail running, basically anything that piques my interest is what I talk about here. Before we get into it, I do want to thank the Patreon members and YouTube members uh, that are supporting me. If you want to help support this podcast and what I'm doing here, there is a select group of people that have been continuing to support me on Patreon and YouTube members by contributing a couple of bucks every month and kind of getting me one step closer to this being some sort of a job. I don't know if it ever will be, but uh, yeah, gets me moving in the right direction. So if you want to check that out, uh, go down to the bottom of the show notes and click the link to check that out. I want to thank all of the new members. Uh, a lot of people have been signing up for Patreon and uh, I really appreciate it. And the latest one was Bill Gilpatrick. Really appreciate it. Thank you. All right. I do want to mention the merch store. <laughs> I got to do all my plugs first. So if you're listening to this podcast, uh, odds are you've seen my YouTube channel. And you might have seen the hat that I wear all the time, the Chase the Summit trucker hat. I sell those. And if you want one, check out the link in the show notes. Um, And for listeners of this podcast, I have an exclusive promo discount code, LISTEN10, that's L-I-S-T-E-N 10 at checkout for 10% off your order. That's a promo code I don't advertise anywhere. It's only for you who are tuning in and listening to this podcast. Okay, now that I've done my plugs, let's move on. Episode 41. I've been doing this 41 times by myself. Well, I've had a few guests, but the majority of these episodes are just me and a microphone in a room. And it's kind of weird that anyone actually listens to this, but apparently people do. Thank you for that. Because uh, I've actually, you know, I've got the behind the scenes numbers and downloads and streams and everything. And this podcast is continuing to grow and that's really exciting. So uh, thanks for tuning in. Uh, we've got a lot to talk about today. A lot has happened in the past week in life, in training, and of course, in the news in fitness tech. So first of all, let's talk a little bit about life. What's going on with me? Uh, so I've been continuing to train, continuing to run. But if you've been uh, following the podcast, you know that my family is actually, we're between houses right now, which has been somewhat of a headache. Um, but the light there, there's light at the end of the tunnel. It seems like the builder of our new house is actually ahead of schedule. So we might be able to move in soon. Uh, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm basically counting the seconds until that happens. You know, it's been nice. Uh, you know, it's not all bad. We've been living with our, our, you know, my wife's parents and it's kind of nice to have another, you know, adult around with four kids. Uh, you know, it's been nice having, uh, my wife's mom around to to help out with them and, you know, even provide some babysitting on occasion. It's been really nice to have that kind of built in. But man, I'm looking forward to having my my own space back. And a nice little perk about this new place, the new house we're moving into, is I'm going to be able to move my YouTube, uh, my YouTube studio in there, <laughs> my YouTuber space into the new house. And so there'll be a whole new set and everything. That's a little uh, behind the scenes tidbit of information that what you watch on YouTube might change in the near future. Um, it probably won't happen immediately, but it is pretty exciting. So uh, I'm looking forward to that. But aside from that, it's been really hard to focus on, you know, keeping the mileage up and, and uh, continuing to stay fit because it's getting darker earlier. It's cold out. It's been raining a lot. And then we've got like all the stuff going on with this new house that has been such a headache and a big distraction. And of course, you know, 
I've got a real job too, on top of making YouTube videos and podcasts. So life has been a little bit of a struggle, you know, the struggle bus, as I like to call it, but we are getting through it. And like I said, there's light at the end of the tunnel, which is good. Okay, uh, so I want to dive right into the news this week because we got a lot to cover. First thing I want to talk about is what happened yesterday. I'm recording this on, uh, what is it, October 7th. You'll probably be hearing this on October 7th or maybe later. But yesterday, Google had their big Pixel Watch event in New York City. Unfortunately, I wasn't invited. I'm not that cool. I didn't make the A-list this time around. But uh, I did watch all the footage. I watched, uh, you know, Raymaker, DC Raymaker's video on, you know, his first impressions, having it in his hands and kind of going through the new features and stuff. And it does seem pretty cool. If you haven't seen it yet, this is a new wearable directly from Google, but it's kind of an interesting merger of being a Google Wear OS device, but also being a Fitbit. I'm sure you expected this like everyone else. About a year ago, Google acquired Fitbit. They basically bought the company and turned it into a subsidiary of Google. So I think we all expected this to happen, but the way they did it, it's kind of interesting because this is a Google product. You can buy it on the Google website, but it's also got the internal functionality of Fitbit, which is kind of interesting. So the, the watch itself is a 41 millimeter case size. It looks like, it almost looks like a round Apple watch the way they did it. It's fairly, very polished, very rounded corners, kind of a little hockey puck of a watch, very low profile and pretty small at 41 millimeters. It's got an AMOLED always on touch enabled display that looks really nice. Looking forward to, to checking that out in person. It's very sleek looking and the price comes in at $349 without the cellular built-in and $399 with cellular built-in. The way this watch works, it's got a it's got a touch screen obviously, but it also has a digital crown with a secondary button, which is very much like an Apple Watch. That secondary button can bring up your recently used apps and stuff. And it's got a 24-hour battery life, which is actually better than Apple Watch. Apple Watches typically last about 18 hours. So 24 hours is pretty good. Now, one spec they left out of their battery life information right now, we don't know. A big question mark is GPS on battery life. There's no spec about that on the website and no one even talked about it during the announcement. So that's a big question mark right now. However, this watch does have built-in GPS, so it's not like a connected device or anything like that. And overall, it looks pretty interesting. It's, of course, a Google Wear OS device. So you've got like a microphone built in for interacting with Google Assistant and taking phone calls. But when one big downside about this thing is that it's uh, not compatible with iPhones. So in the past, a lot of Google Wear devices were compatible with iPhones. But because of, you know, the, the walled garden that is Apple, how they kind of don't want other people doing what they do. So they prevent third parties from making phone calls and text messages. And there's a lot of barriers in place, even around like phone number sharing, the way an Apple Watch and an iPhone can have the same phone number. It, it becomes very difficult with uh, other devices from, from Google or whatever. Google just flat out says it's not compatible anymore. So if you have an iPhone, this isn't even an option anymore. Much like if you have a, you know, Android and Apple Watch isn't an option anymore. They're both kind of, you know, peeling off in different directions now. Just kind of a bummer. You'd think at this point it, we're like living in the future that things would be cross compatible, but it seems like we're going in the other direction now, which isn't that great unfortunately. So like I said, on top of being a Google Wear OS device, it's branded and sold by Google. Integral to the watch, inside of the watch, pre-installed are all the Fitbit features. You've got, you know, tiles for your 
activity hours, your sleep, your steps, your recent activities, cardio, and your heart rate 24 hours a day. And the watch is activated by the Fitbit app on your phone. So it's all kind of tied together now, which is kind of interesting. However, it does it does have me wondering, like, where does this leave Fitbit? If Google's now making hardware with Fitbit installed in, on it, like, do we need Fitbit anymore? I mean, they're, they're still making new stuff. They've got the, the new Fitbit Sense 2 and the Inspire and all those new devices. But what is the future for Fitbit? Are they just going to get swallowed up by Google and, and kind of put into the Google watches from, from now on? I guess time will tell. I don't know if that's good or bad for them. Next up in the news, we've got uh, some news from Garmin. I actually posted a uh, video about this really quick video uh, that I shot in the backyard, basically. <laughs> Garmin released a couple of firmware updates for their devices, two notable ones. So first up is the Garmin 4945 LTE. It got a new firmware update to include all the new features that we saw on the 4955 and 255. Lots of new features, including like the HRV status update, the morning report, training readiness. That's all over there now on the 945 LTE, which is actually pretty cool because the 945 LTE is one of the, it's the only watch from Garmin with a cellular connection. It's not like a full cellular watch, like you can't make phone calls on it, but it is pretty cool because you can share your location and your friends and family can text message you when you're out on your run or something. So it does have some interesting functionality. And now it's got all these new features. And on top of all that, you can find it really cheap because it's an older device now. It's, it, you know, it's technically a 945 with cellular, even though it's got the new heart rate sensor and stuff. So big update there. I'm not going to elaborate too much on that, but uh, check it out if you've got a 945 LTE. The next update is for Phoenix 7, Epix Gen 2, and Enduro 2. And this one is a little bit not more notable because they're bringing a lot of new features to these devices and one very unique one. So this, this firmware update is in alpha right now, which means it's not ready for prime time. It's not, uh, it's not one of those beta program firmware updates like you can't automatically have it downloaded to your watch through the app. You have to manually do this by going to the Garmin website, downloading the files, and then plugging your your computer into your, your watch, which is kind of a headache. It feels very old fashioned, but this is the only way you can get the new features. Anyways, the new features included here are a bunch of the new features we saw with the Garmin Enduro 2, and I think it was the 955, right? So what's coming? Uh, first up, we've got Next Fork Navigation, which is a, a feature of the map on the Enduro 2 that shows the uh, the next coming uh, junction or, or turn on the route that you're on. So if you're running on a trail and there's a turn coming up, it'll tell you what that turn is. It'll tell you the name of the road or trail. Pretty cool. I really like this feature on the Enduro 2, and now you can get it on your Phoenix 7 and Epix as well. Another new feature that came from the Enduro 2 is grade adjusted, grade adjusted pace, which essentially tries to determine your pace on the grade you're on. So if you're on, running up a hill, it'll take your effort level and try to translate that into how fast you would be running if you're on flat terrain, which is pretty cool as well. And you know, this feature is actually available on Strava, but now you can see it in real time on your wrist. Another new feature is the morning report function that came from the 400 255 and 955. Now that's available on the Epix Phoenix 7 Enduro 2 in this alpha build. And then the auto rest timer 
which is a function in the ultra run activity on the 955 and 255 where the watch automatically pauses your activity and then it records how long you're standing still for. I had some issues with this in my testing. You can find in the Enduro 2 video I made, but now you can get this in alpha on Phoenix 7 and Epics as well. Nice little upgrade there. Aside from that, there's like a ton of bug fixes and feature updates for in this firmware update that I'm not gonna read through. There's like new activity profiles for sailing, a bunch of different kinds of sailing that I have no idea what they mean. But there's one more feature that is very exciting, and that's the addition of wrist-based running power on the Phoenix 7, Epix Gen 2, and Enduro 2. This is a big deal. If you don't know what running power is, it's basically a metric that tries to identify how much energy you're exerting while you're running. It's measured in watts, like a light bulb. And the use case for this is if you wanna know your pace instantaneously. So heart rate is a very useful tool for training, but it takes a while for heart rate to stabilize and fluctuate when you're changing your pace, right? So that makes it kind of hard to dial in a certain pace to stay in a certain zone where power is instantly changes. It doesn't need time to ramp up and down like heart rate does. So you can monitor your power and stay in a certain power zone to monitor your intensity level. And you can use this in training plans. You can use it just in to check your fitness. You know, your, if your heart rate's lower at a certain zone level, then you know you're getting fitter because you're not trying as hard. Previously on Garmin devices, you needed the Garmin HRM Pro chest strap, which is an additional 130 bucks for the HRM Pro or Pro Plus in order to collect this metric because it has built-in sensors for running power. Now with this firmware update, they're allowing you to gather this information without having that sensor, which is really nice. I've done some testing on it. Like I said, I have a whole video about this and I've got graphs and stuff where I compare against other sensors like the Stride Pod and Coros Pace 2. And what I found is that the data coming from the wrist-based power on the Garmin is pretty good, but it, it's not perfect and it doesn't look exactly like the HRM Pro data. I think it's still useful. It's still an alpha build, so I can't really judge it too hard until they polish this up and it comes out in the full firmware update. But I do think they're, in, they're moving in the right direction. So that's very exciting and probably the most notable update on any Garmin firmware update in a while. That's a big feature to add out of the blue, very quietly, mind you. They didn't advertise this or anything. It's just there. So pretty cool. Looking forward to testing this more and getting the full firmware update down the road. Next up in the news, we've got some news from AmazeFit. So G there's a website called GSM Arena. Apparently they've got the watch early, but this watch is supposed to come out on October 13th, which is in about a week from now, called the Amazfit Falcon. And if you, I don't know if you know what Amazfit is, but I've featured a few of their watches on my channel. They're basically like a really budget-friendly alternative to something like a Garmin or a Coros. And typically they focus in on being kind of a hybrid of being a smartwatch and a really good sport watch by having, you know, a OLED display, calling functionality, and all that smartwatch stuff you would get on an Apple watch, but also a lot of sport watch functionality, and they do have really good battery life. So this Amazfit Falcon is different though, because it seems like they're kind of moving out of that budget-friendly space. They've got watches like the T-Rex 2, that's like a $200 watch, and it's got a ton of features, but you know, it's plasticky and cheap feeling and, and looks, you know, a little bit, yeah, I don't know. Looks a little bit toyish. I don't know. It's a cool watch, but yeah, it's not a premium device, right? This new Amazfit Falcon, according to GSM Arena, uh, they've got an unboxing video on YouTube on it. It looks like a really premium built Amazfit, which is not on brand for Amazfit. It looks like it's got a metal bezel, maybe a sapphire display. 
and it's rumored to be about $499 at release. Some of the specs that seem to be leaked here, it says that it's a uh, one step above a T-Rex 2 in terms of like where it lands in the lineup and it will have 14 day battery life, an OLED display, 32 gigabytes of internal storage. And like I said, it'll be about $500 at launch. That is speculation. I think this is a more of a rumor, but it appears to be real since there is an unboxing video about it already. So I guess we'll have to wait another week to see what this is. I'll probably I'll probably try to get my hands on one to review on the channel, but that's all the information I have so far. Next up in the news, we've got some news from Killian Jornet. Uh, if you don't know who he is, he's basically the most epic ultra marathon runner in the world. He uh, won UTMB this year and he has a new brand of shoes called Normal, two N's, N-Normal, N-N-O-R-M-A-L. And the big news here, we've known about this for a while, that it was coming out, but as of yesterday, they're actually available for purchase. So I went on the website, you can get there, I think it's nanormal.com with two N's, and you can browse through the different models that are available. Unfortunately, the website, to my knowledge, is only in Spanish, so I had to translate every page. There, I didn't see an English option anywhere. So just keep that in mind as you go through it. And it says something like athletes and designers have come together to create the a shoe that provides excellent energy return, cushioning and stability, even in the most technical terrain. And of course, Killing did wear a pair of normal shoes at UTMB and he didn't change them once. He wore them the entire race. I feel like he had to, or that would look bad for PR. Uh, but he, he won the race wearing those shoes. So that says something. And I guess, you know, uh, I'd like to get a pair to try out, but it looks like regionally right now, they'll be easier to get, you know, out in Europe where Killian lives. Uh, but yeah, maybe they'll become available here soon. Next up in the news is REI, the, the big re outdoor gear retailer in the USA. For the past seven years, they've been canceling Black Friday and giving their employees a, a paid day off, which I think is super cool. But they just announced as of yesterday, that they are officially canceling Black Friday forever in their entire company. So previously shut down all of their stores on Black Friday, but they leave like the call centers and the website and everything would still be online. This year in forever, apparently, they're going to give all 16,000 employees from call centers to headquarters, uh, shipping and receiving and stores the day off and pay them. They're still going to get paid and they're going to encourage everybody to go do something other than shop, go outside, go skiing, go hiking. Just don't, just don't go shopping. And you know, they do this in, in, in a way to promote the outdoor enthusiasm and make things a little bit ma less material, even though they are a retailer and they thrive off of sales. It is kind of cool to see somebody step up and, and say, Hey, what are we doing? In a way I do like what they're doing and, and just saying, let's just back up a little bit and stop obsessing over the latest and greatest thing and, and go for a hike instead. So bravo REI. I hope it doesn't, I hope it doesn't tank your company, but I'm glad you're doing it. So that is kind of it for the news this week. I do want to mention something else though. So a lot of the videos I've been making lately, I have been around the Apple watch ultra because first of all, it's a very exciting product. I've done battery videos and comparisons to the Epic Gen 2, the in-depth review. I think there's like five or six videos. And I've been getting polarizing comments. These videos have drew in a lot of people, a lot of views for from people who otherwise wouldn't have seen my channel, you know, because I'm like a ultra running, trail running kind of channel. And I think a lot of people who just like Apple products have been have seen the channel, which is great. I'm I'm glad there's more eyeballs. You know, that's kind of the whole point of the YouTube channel to, to share my thoughts. Hopefully 
uh, share some some value to somebody and it's cool to see, you know, a lot more views come in. And in September, the channel saw the most amount of views I've ever seen, which is kind of crazy. We've crossed over nearly 1.5 million views in just September alone, which is just totally bonkers. And, you know, I'm kind of shocked and, and kind of scared. <laughs> but along with all these views, there's so many, it's the comments are so polarizing. There's either people who love Apple and think the Apple Watch Ultra is the best thing that ever existed. And then there's the people who hate Apple. And literally people are just writing comments like, I'll never buy Apple. Screw that. And I'm like, okay, I, I don't know why you need to tell me that. But it's been the weirdest ride reading through these comments. Lots of hate comments, which I hate. That's uh, obviously, it's just like, I'm not, I guess I need thicker skin. But it's been quite a roller coaster sifting through these comments. And if you're bored, if you want some entertainment, go ahead and, and read through some of the, there's thousands of them, but it has been a wild ride. And I, I don't know where I'm going with this. I guess I just want to share that the channel is not going to become an Apple only channel. I think there's some people who are, think that's happening. Like all I'm going to talk about is Apple now. That's not the case. All the reason why there's so much of it is because it's a new, exciting device. There's a lot of hubbub around it. And I'm trying to share as much, I'm trying to provide enough, as much coverage as I can about this new device that is something that's different that we're not used to. So yeah, don't worry about the coverage. I'm gonna shift back into the other stuff. You'll see more running content and more Garmin stuff. And it's not just gonna be about Apple. In fact, I wanna diversify even more and talk about more shoes and hydration vests and stuff too. And not just kind of shoehorn myself into, you know, tech. That's kind of where I I am right now. So I, I guess I just want to mention, put that out there. Don't worry about the channel and the content. It will get back to normal very soon, but there might be a couple of more Apple videos just because there's a few more things I want to, I want to talk about with that. I want to move right into the Q and a, and if you don't know what I do on this podcast is I share an Instagram story with one of those question boxes in it. And I say, ask me anything. And then I take all the questions I get from Instagram and I talk about them here in real time and try to get through as many of them as possible. I may not get to yours if it's, if I get a lot one week this week, I think I've got most of them. So if you have a question that you want to ask and have it featured on this podcast, follow me on Instagram, which is in the show notes as well. And watch out for that story and, you know, ask a question. You can also just shoot me a DM. I'm pretty responsive and I'll try to get to it on Instagram. And you can go over to chasethesummit.com and click that contact me button and just send me a question through there. And I, I'll try to aggregate everything and cover it all in the next podcast. So with that said, let's move right into it. We've got the first one from Nicola VR. He asks, uh, can you share your thoughts on the Garmin Epix 2 versus Phoenix 7 versus Apple Watch Ultra? Right after I gave my spiel about Apple Watch. I should also mention, I don't even, I don't really read through these until the podcast. So it's, you know, it's kind of happening in real time. I don't like premeditate my answers to these. So yeah, you're, you're, you're hearing them for the first time and I am as well. Okay. So Garmin Epix 2, Phoenix 7 or Apple Watch Ultra. I would suggest checking out my video where I compare the Epix Gen 2 to the Apple Watch Ultra. They're very different. You know, one's more of a smartwatch, one's a dedicated sports watch. And the comparison is basically the same when it comes to the Phoenix 7 because the Epix and the Phoenix are like the exact same watch, just with a different display, different battery life, and different size options. As to which one's better, it, you know, I hate saying it depends, but it really does depend. If you are okay with a couple of days of battery life and you don't need a dedicated sports watch, the 
Apple Watch Ultra is awesome. I really, I love wearing it. It's really fun to use and wear, but it's not really a sport watch replacement. It can do most of the stuff, but it's missing a few features. If you're looking for more of a sport watch, you're more of a runner, triathlete, maybe you're an ultra runner or something. I would still say a Phoenix or an Epics will provide more value, but they're all great. You know, there's not really a bad option there. Just comes down to your, your use case. Next question comes from Steshell. What's your main fitness watch that you wear outside of testing things? I get this question all the time and it's a really boring answer. I wear whatever is charged in near me, to be honest. I haven't been, I'm not like so hell bent on something being my favorite that I just wear the same thing all the time. So you might see me in a video wearing an Apex Gen 2 or, or Forerunner 955. A lot of times I've been wearing the 955 and that's not because I love it. It's not my favorite. I really like it. Don't get me wrong. But the new thing with Garmin is that HRV status function. You need to wear the watch for three weeks consistently for it to generate a value. So I, I don't like, I don't want to switch now because I don't want to lose that metric. And HRV isn't synced between multiple devices. So like if I have a status on my 955, it's not shared with my Epix Gen 2 when I wear that, and which is why I've been wearing a lot of the 955. But I've heard Garmin is going to add that function hopefully soon with the syncing of HRV status, but we don't have it yet. Next question. Let's see. Lou Scott Peck. When would you suggest moving to ultra marathon distances? Should I try a marathon first? I honestly don't think you need to run a marathon to run an ultra marathon. Honestly, they're kind of different. I would say instead, instead of running a, a marathon on the road, I would suggest signing up for a 50 K on a trail because it's really close to marathon distance, but it's on a trail instead and you can run much, much slower. So that's the beauty of ultras is there's a lot of walking in, in, uh, shuffling and you don't need to run seven minute pace the whole time. So I would suggest a 50 K first, maybe an easy one with a really relaxed, uh, cutoff time. So you have plenty of time. You're not going to stress about it. And prior to that, what I always tell people, keep in mind, I'm not a coach or anything. Take this with a grain of salt, but I think if you can run a 50 K in a week, you know, in a, in a week's time, if you can run 32 miles, you're probably okay to run a 50 K in one day. You might be sore after you might get beat up, but I think you're there. That's my thoughts. But if you can run, like if you can run 15 miles in a day, 20 miles in a day, you're probably fine for a 50 K. But like I said, sign up for like a casual one with a really relaxed, like a fun run, a really relaxed, you know, cut off time. So you're not like stressed about it the whole time. Okay. Moving right along. We've got hand hand Stenberg. I probably said that wrong. Do you get the same VO2 max estimate from all of your different watches that you've tested? That's a great question. And the answer is no. <laughs> so on Garmin, on the Garmin connect platform, I get a VO2 max between 55 and 56. I've never been lab tested like on a treadmill with an oxygen mask. So I don't know what's right and what's wrong. I like to think Garmin's right because it's higher than everybody else. But yeah, 55 to 56 on Garmin. And that's with multiple different devices. And then when I use a Coros, if you don't know, Coros used to have their old VO2 max estimate, which for me was like wildly inaccurate all the time. It had me down in like the 30s and 40s. I don't know why, but then they recently updated last year to uh, something called Coros Evo Labs and their whole training system got so much better, including estimated VO2 max. So now on Coros, I actually get a similar number between Coros and Garmin. They're usually around 55 for VO2 max. 
On Polar, Polar is weird because they have a couple of different versions of VO2 Max. They have something called Running Index, which is your VO2 Max after an individual run. So if I go outside right now and run, it'll give me a VO2 max for that run. And they call it running index. My running index is always crazy high, 62 or something. And I'm not that fit. So I don't think that's accurate. But they also have a VO2 max test in the watch on like the Polar Vantage V2. It guides you through a test where you go outside, you run until the timer goes off, and then it gives you a VO2 max estimate. And then they also have a fitness level test where you you sit down and you try not to move. You stay as stationary as possible for like 30 seconds. And it takes your resting heart rate and tries to give you a VO2 max based on your resting, to, resting heart rate. I found that not to be accurate either. So out of those three, there's like three different VO2 maxes on Polar and all three give me different results. And they're all generally kind of high. And then finally, Apple Watch, they've got their cardio level, I think they call it, in Apple Health. And that for me, or they call it cardio fitness, I think that for me is super low. It shows me as like 49 or something. So I don't know who's right or wrong, but they're all different. The only two that line up for me are uh, Garmin and Koros. And there's more. I mean, like Amazfit has VO2 max, Sunto. Uh, but generally speaking, the only two that align for me are Koros and Garmin, and the rest are kind of all over the place. I really need to get a lab test, though. I think that might make testing these watches a little bit more valuable. I'm going to work on that. Oof, that was a long-winded answer to that question. Sorry about that. <laughs> Moving on to the next question from the same person, Hassenberg. Have you heard anything new from Polar? No, I haven't. And I, you know, unfortunately, if I did, if I had something, I wouldn't be able to tell you about it. But yeah, uh, kind of radio silence for a little while. Hopefully we see something new from them soon. I would really like to see Polar just do a complete redesign of their user interface and do something entirely new because I got to say their user interface is probably feeling the most dated out of all the, the devices out there right now. The next question comes from Try Jacob. When will we see a Forerunner 965 and 265? Dude, the 255 and 955 just came out. You're getting too greedy. <laughs> I don't think we'll see a new version of those anytime soon. Probably another year before we see another iteration. Maybe even longer. I don't know. They're very new and they, they have a lot of features. So I don't think we need a new one right now. Next question is from Hadashtu18. When will we get running power on the 955? Good question. And I've seen this a lot in the comments on my video about running power. I don't know, but I suspect that the 955 will be on the list and it'll probably get one very soon. We'll get a firmware update very soon, maybe an alpha build, uh, maybe in the next few weeks, because the 955 is like essentially a Phoenix 7. So at its core, they're very similar. I fully expect that to come sometime soon and to the foreigner 255 as well. Next question, Vascodia's 98. Talk to us about the Ultramont Blancs you've been testing. How's the fit? Uh, does your heel slip? So yes, uh, the Ultramont Blanc Boas. I've, I've been wearing them a lot and I owe them a video. I owe a lot of shoes a video, like the Hoka Tecton X, the Ultramont Blanc Boas, the Hoka Mafates. I've been wearing all those shoes a lot, and I just am so freaking busy that I haven't been able to make videos about them. The Mont Blanc Boas, though, they're awesome. Kind of solve all the issues I had with the original Mont Blanc with the fit. Uh, the, the original Mont Blancs, they had a, a problem with the heel slipping because their lacing and the, the upper material was so weak that it just kind of slipped away. However, I did I did end up liking those shoes a lot ultimately, and I 
ended up running my last hundred milers in those shoes in the original Mont Blanc. But now they've made the Mont Blanc BOA, which if you don't know, it has this like BOA lacing system on it where you turn a knob and the knobs kind of click and it tightens up the laces for you. And there's two of these knobs so you can you can kind of dial in the fit with zones. It works great. I'm not, it's a really awesome lacing. What I don't like about it is like, it feels like there's so much technology in that shoe that I'm going to end up throwing away. And I wish I could like keep the BOA system, but yeah, that is what it is. Long story short, I really like them and you should expect a video about them very soon. Once a, once all this, you know, Techtober stuff ends, you know, maybe I'll squeeze it in this month. I have a lot to say about the Mont Blanc BOA. So stay tuned for that. It is coming, I promise. Next question comes from a supporter, one of the Patreons, uh, Torbjorn HB. Thanks for writing in. Getting personal for a second, how's life with the new home on all of your projects? Is it sustainable? Dude, it's not really sustainable. <laughs> but uh, like I said at the beginning of this episode, there is light at the end of the tunnel. And I think I think it's all going to be good. I think once we're moved in, all the furniture's in and, you know, once everything settles down and especially after the holidays, I think there will be a calming after everything. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. But right now life is bananas between my real job and trying to keep up with all of my projects and of course the house and the kids and family and still trying to be present with everybody. Been hard, but uh, yeah, thanks for writing in and I uh, appreciate your concern. <laughs> I'm okay. I'm sustainable for the near future. I just don't, I can't, hang on for like, uh, we can't keep this intensity level of like how busy life is uh, going for the next year. I can do it for another month or so. And that's when we'll have the new house and hopefully things calm down a bit. The next question is from T Spirit. What are your thoughts on adventure racing? I actually uh, just learned about adventure racing when I was out in California covering the Western States endurance race. There was a guy out there who was a writer for Ultra Runner magazine, and he was telling me all about his adventures in adventure racing. And it seems like really cool. Like you, you run a little bit, you kayak, you ride a horse, like that is super cool. However, it does seem like the sport is starting to die off a bit because of how niche it is and how expensive and logistically hard it is. Whereas like, you know, ultra marathon racing is thriving because it's a little bit simpler so I feel like, I feel like ultra running might become the next, you know, adventure racing. It's kind of, they're kind of morphing in a way, but it would be cool to see a comeback in adventure racing. I don't know a ton about it, but from what I've learned, it is very interesting and pretty badass. <laughs> I wish I got into it or at least tried one. Next question comes from Dunny74. Will you be reviewing the new Pixel Watch? Yes, I will be. So it was announced yesterday. I shot an email out to Google trying to see if I could get like an early test unit or a loaner. I have zero hopes that they'll reply to that email, but I tried. I'll probably end up buying one on launch day. Unfortunately, as a mainly an iPhone user, I do need to get a Google Pixel phone as well to use them. It'll be an ex expensive investment, but I do want to cover it. So I will be buying one. And the same goes with that pesky Samsung Galaxy Watch 5 Pro. Man, I've, I really wanted to test and review that. But again, I've, you know, I'm mainly an iPhone user, so it becomes very expensive to invest money in those devices. And unfortunately, YouTube isn't making me rich. <laughs> Unless, you know, the video hits 500,000 views or something, it probably won't pay for itself. So I need to find a way to justify the purchase. And, you know, you got to take risks like that, especially on these big releases. So I, I think I'm going to get a Pixel 
watch and I'll, I'll probably get a Galaxy 5 Pro as well. Uh, maybe I'll try to find one secondhand or something. But yeah, stay tuned for reviews on both of those. The Pixel Watch is definitely coming, so stay tuned for that. Next question comes from The Wandering Social Worker. What is your favorite weather to run in? Easy, easy answer. Uh, well, it's not that easy. I do love hot weather. Like I love run, running in the summer with like a singlet or no shirt on, sun blaring, just like living life to its fullest. I really enjoy summer running, but it long distance summer running, like running an ultra and 100 degrees Fahrenheit isn't that fun. So I like summer running for like casual 5Ks, you know, where I can just go out three miles sweat it out and come back home. But for like longer runs or for PRs or running fast, right now is the time here in New England, you know, 50s, 60s degrees, beautiful, you know, sun, I like a sunny, low humidity between 50 and 60 degrees Fahrenheit. That's the time to get out there. And probably when I perform my best, which is right about now here in New England, we're in the fall, the trees are changing colors. It's pretty, it's a little depressing because I know it's going to be all covered in snow very soon, but uh, we're living it up while we can right now. And my runs lately have been great. I got close to my 10K PR the other day just because it was really cool out. I didn't crack it. My 10K PR isn't that impressive though. I have like a 45 minute 10K PR, I think on the road. And I, I came in at like 46, 15 or something. So I was close, but I didn't make it. FYI, I'm also not an elite runner. So that's not that impressive. <laughs> Next question. This is one I get all the time. What would you pick if you could only have one GPS watch? Well, I think I already answered this question. Somebody asked my favorite GPS watch. Right now it's so hard because I, I feel embarrassing and kind of obnoxious how many watches I own and test. They're all really nice. And it's hard to get really excited about one now after doing this for a few years. <laughs> I think right now the one that's funnest to wear is the Apple Watch Ultra. I've been really enjoying wearing that watch, going on runs, listening to Spotify without my phone, taking phone calls and stuff. It's really ideal. It's a very, it's a very ideal watch. But if I'm running an Ultra or something like that, I still really like the 495. That's actually what's on my wrist right now. I like them all for different reasons. I also really enjoy the Garmin Epics because it's like a bridger. It's like a hybrid of an Apple Watch and a Garmin right down the middle. If they could just squeeze cellular into the epics and allow it to take phone calls and stream music, it might be the perfect watch. Yeah, right now, a favorite is hard to pin down. I guess I'll say the Foreigner 955 is still my favorite, but I really enjoy a few others as well. Next question comes from Vile Life. What features am I going to be missing if I use an Apple Watch primarily over a dedicated sport watch? Great question. I've got a video about this comparing it to the Epix Gen 2. So the biggest issues with me and the Apple Watch, it's out of the box. Out of the box, you do not get like valuable feedback of your sleep and wellness and step count and calories burned. It records all the data, but it just throws it in the Apple Health app and it kind of expects you to figure it out. Like you need to go in there and look at your HRV if you want to know what's going on with your HRV or your heart rate or anything. You have to dive into the app and kind of sift through all the numbers and try to understand what's going on with your health. I wish there were more, there was more feedback. Like if I wish there was like a, a daily thing in the morning, like a screen pops up and says, Hey, your HRV just tanked last night. Um, you didn't sleep that great. Maybe don't run a marathon today. And you do get that level of feedback with a Garmin Polar or, uh, you know, any of these other watches, they do provide some feedback and Apple just doesn't do that. However, there is, there are apps for just about everything. So I found the app Athletic is a good feedback 
mechanism to take all that data and then present it in a way that's valuable. And that athletic app, I actually made a whole video about it. It's like 30 bucks a year and it'll, it turns your watch into a much more useful wellness device. On the other hand, if you're using it as a sports watch, you might want mapping as well. And that's another issue with the Apple Watch Ultra is you, the native workout app doesn't provide any offline mapping. So if you do run an ultra marathon or you go hiking or backpacking, you won't get you know, offline mapping data to your watch, you know, downloaded to it. The Apple Watch does have Apple Maps, which is useful for getting around, you know, cities and things like that. But if you're out hiking or something, that's not really useful. So I do wish they would, I just wish they provided more of these features out of the box and didn't rely on third-party apps. It would just make it a more ultra experience in my opinion. But I guess I understand why they don't do that. They just want to let people cater their device for, you know, their purpose and not, you know, shove things down people's throat, I guess. I, you know, I don't really know. Another thing you, you won't get with Apple Watch is a lot of sensor support. So like on a Garmin, for example, you can have radar support for oncoming vehicles when you're on a bike, Garmin inReach support for satellite communication, cadence and power sensors, heart rate sensors, all that stuff. Whereas on the Apple Watch, you're pretty much locked into only heart rate sensors unless you download third-party apps that can utilize power sensors like Stride or Work Outdoors or something like that. There's just not like a ton of external sensor support out of the box. But again, you might be able to find an app for it. But those are kind of the key areas. And then finally, the biggest one is going to be battery life. A Garmin Enduro 2, you can charge once a month, literally once a month. And that's including going for runs and stuff. And then you get 100 hours or 110 hours in a GPS activity, which is like bonkers, right? Apple Watch Ultra, you can use it for about two days. You can use it for about 17 hours in a GPS activity. Big difference, big divide there. So if you're okay with those limitations, the Apple Watch Ultra is a great watch. It does so much other stuff other than, other than sports stuff. It does so much other stuff that does make it worthwhile in some respects. Next question comes from Chester, I can't pronounce that, Chester Angels FC. What's the best Jeep, uh, Garmin watch to get to use with an HRM Pro and for running 5K to 20K distances? Um... I mean, they're all going to be, for those distances, you'd be fine with any watch that's compatible with HRM Pro. I, I would suggest the Garmin 400 255 because you'll get additional metrics like running power and advanced dynamics and things like that. It's got great battery life. It's got navigation and it's uh, affordable. I mean, you know, it's like 300, 350 bucks. I would suggest the 255, but even like the 455 would probably suit your needs. And that's like a $200 watch. So it's really up to your budget, but the 255 is an, is a really good value. Next question comes from Jacu, Jacruz123. What do you think about Killian Jornet's new brand, No Normal? Something innovative or he's, is he just using his name to sell shoes? <laughs> It's funny that you asked this question in an episode where I already talked about normal. I guess it could go either way, right? I do believe he's trying to make a good product and he did wear them at UTMB and they do look like really nice shoes with like Vibram, Vibram outsoles and traction. And he probably had a lot of input on the design, which is nice because he's a guy that runs a lot of miles in mountains. So I think they're probably going to be really good products. I, I haven't tried them out. I plan to. On the other hand, I do think Killian needs a plan B because he's a professional runner and the lifespan of a professional runner is pretty short. When he gets too old and he's not running UTMB or winning anymore, his you know income revenue is going to dry up. So I think it's smart for him to diversify and, and start a brand and, you know, try while he's hot and in the limelight, use his name to get something off the ground and sell something that can probably up his income for the rest of his life if it takes off. So it's probably both. 
I don't think he's just trying to use his name. I do think he has good intentions here and he's trying to sell a good product. But I also think he's probably thinking long term, like down the road, he needs another game plan for when he gets too old to to compete in ultra marathons. Probably, probably a little bit of both. Next question comes from mjercadio9649. Are you a Nike sponsored athlete? Um, no, I am not. <laughs> in fact, I don't even run in Nike shoes. I uh, don't even own a pair of Nike shoes, which is kind of sad. It's not nothing against them. I like the brand. My wife likes Nikes. I want to try the um, the Nike, was it Kyger? Uh, the, the Ultra Kyger or something, trail running shoe. Those look super cool. Uh, just haven't gotten around to it. But yeah, I'm not, I'm not sponsored by anybody except for myself. Next question is kind of, well, it's kind of a question, is from Monsieur Turkey. Uh, he asks, or he or she asks, uh, I'd love to hear you talk more about how you fit training in with your job, YouTube and family life with kids. <laughs> I get this question like every week. I've, I feel like a lot of people are interested in time management. Maybe I need to like focus more on that in some of the videos I make. That'd be an interesting video. So to answer your question, I just, I don't do it really well. Some weeks I totally fail if I'm super busy my mileage plummets. Um, I guess I'll put it like this. I will deprioritize running uh, in training to be present with my kids. If that means running five miles in a week instead of 50 miles, so be it. You know, priorities in life. My kids come first always. And then of course it's feeding and keeping a roof over my kids, you know, is very important. And then, uh, you know, training and running which is, it makes things hard because running equals happiness for me. My only thing, my only outlet, really, I don't have a lot of other hobbies because I don't have time for it. So I, I really chose one thing that I enjoy and I try to do as much as possible. And it's not even running. It's being in the woods and, you know, getting some outdoor time. It keeps me sane. It's kind of my church, but yeah, to answer your question, it's really hard. It's a struggle and I'm constantly battling our calendar. We've always got things popping up that I need to take care of. And I'm just like everybody else. You know, I'm not perfect. I'm still trying to figure it out. I guess at this point I'm running early in the morning or I'm running late at night when everyone's in bed, or if I can sneak it in during like lunch break or something like that, that's another time. Uh, sometimes I try to get out of work a little early, like 30 minutes early to, you know, get a 5k in or something. And then on weekends, I try to carve out, I try to plan way in advance with my wife to try to car carve out a few hours to get my long run in. And that's kind of all I can do right now. That's the best I can do. I think that answers your question. That was kind of long winded. Sorry about that. And that is really it for the Q and a this week. Thanks for everybody for writing them in. That's a great batch of questions and I enjoyed them. If you want to have your question featured on the podcast, make sure to follow me on Instagram because I do post that question every week. You can write in and you'll be featured on the podcast and get answered in real time. Super exciting. With that, I do want to remind you that if you enjoyed the podcast, you find it useful or entertaining, you're out on your run right now and it's passing the time, uh, make sure to give me a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. That really helps the podcast get listened to, gets out there, the algorithm picks it up, all those things. You can also leave a comment on Apple Podcasts, which is equally as useful. And I'll mention it one more time. The Patreon group, if you want to, you know, contribute a couple of bucks every month to help this podcast keep going, it really helps me out. It helps 
this thing I'm doing be more validated. <laughs> uh, even though I'm going to continue to do it either way, having uh, more, more of you on board on the Patreon is very exciting. And I do plan on having more exclusive content over on Patreon very soon. Uh, I'm going to try to do some you know, exclusive podcast episodes and some short videos and stuff over on Patreon as it grows. Right now we are approaching uh, one hour. So I think that's the end of this podcast. One more quick shout out to the merch store. Use discount code LISTEN10, L-I-S-T-E-N, at checkout for 10% off your order. And that's only for listeners of this podcast. Make sure to hit that follow button on the podcast so you don't miss more future episodes. And follow me over on YouTube if you haven't. If you haven't hit subscribe, what are you doing? Listen to this and not doing that. Go do that first. All right, friends. That's the end of this podcast for this week. I hope you enjoyed it. And I will see you next week. Or you'll hear me next week. Bye.